such praises. What are the splendor of shines the sun? What are the majesty rules with justice? Only a holy God. Come and behold him, the one and the only. Cry out, sing holy, forever, O holy God. Come and worship the holy God.
morning, everybody. It's absolutely brilliant to see you here this morning. And good morning to all the people who are watching online as well. It's great to have you with us too. I'm Teresa Cooper. I'm leading the service this morning. And Bart, our minister, will be speaking to us later, as well as Chris, who will be doing the age slot, and various other people are taking part in the service this morning. Let's start our time together with a prayer. Almighty God, as we come together this morning, for we want to praise you and thank you for your amazing love and graciousness by sending your beloved Son to die for each of us. We thank you for the blessing we enjoy in being able to meet freely to worship you. Help us through your Holy Spirit to grow closer to you through all that takes place here this morning. For your glory, amen. We're now going to stand and sing together uh, raise high the name of Jesus, our King. And you'll notice in this song that we mention God's grace quite a bit, and it is by his grace that we are able to be here now. So please stand if you're able, and we'll sing Lift High the Name of Jesus. Good morning, church. 
My name is Chris, and I'm the Minister to Children and Youth here at Emmanuel. And this is our all-age part of the service. And so today I'd like to do a bit of an experiment. So... Well done, well done. Good job. Let's see if you got a little bit more. Ooh, this is a fantastic. One last one. Hello! Wonderful. That's impressive. That has worked much better than I thought. <laughs> so, you can put your hands down now. <laughs> Thank you very much. Let me ask the children in the church, why do you think people stood up, sat down, put their hands in the air, and shouted, hello? Any child in the church can answer. Yes? Because they're saying hello to Jesus. That could be a reason. Because I put up a sign telling you to, and people love to obey signs. Is that true? They love to obey instructions. Uh, don't ch I think children love to be Can anyone tell me an instruction a child received today, this morning? Any instruction? Yes? Put your sun cream on. Very important. Yes? Add your shoes on. Add your, put your shoes on. Very important. Anybody get told to brush their teeth? Nobody get told to brush their teeth? Oh, someone did. Someone did. Yes, good. Anyone get told to hold their hands while crossing the road? Good, good, good. Uh, so why do we obey instructions? Are these sort of instructions only for children? Do you think in instructions in general are good just for children from adults or from people in the front to people in the church? Or are there more sorts of instructions in life? Well, let me give you a few more examples on the screen. If you know what this instruction means, please tell me. You can just, you can just shout it out. Stop. If you see the sign and you're driving a car, you need to stop before crossing the traverse line. That's quite a fancy line. It just means a line going across you. Next line. It's a little bit more, di little bit more difficult. Yes? Slippery road ahead. Be cautious. Wonderful. Okay, now this one, the next one was a little bit confusing for me coming from other parts of the world into this country. What does this sign mean? National speed limit. So what does that mean? What speed do you go? The actual rule is go the speed that your type of road says and the car you're able to do is supposed to do. Well, thanks. That's really helpful. That's a really good instruction. Thanks, UK. Well done. And the last one, does anyone know what this one means? Has anyone seen the sign before? Can anyone try and guess what the sign means? Yes? No parking there until 8... 8 a.m. After 8 a.m. is probably better. But this is a sign that says this road is closed as a play street. Uh, no vehicles except pedal bicycles being pushed by hand, not cycled, indicating times except for access. So if you have a house in that street, you can still go down that road. But this is a play street and this road is closed for the time being. I think that's a wonderful sign. I think we can have that on our road. <laughs> anyway, I haven't seen it anywhere else, but I did find it in the official UK road signs listing. So what happens if these type of signs are ignored? Like if, if there's a stop sign in front of you and everyone just says, I'm going to forget that. I don't need to follow instructions. Yeah? You can crash. You can make someone else have a, have a problem. There's one more instruction set that I want to show you. 
And actually, you've got it in front of you. It's, it, the instruction book is called The Basic Instructions Before Leaving Earth. Can anyone show me that instruction book? Oh, yes, very, very good. That is the Bible. And the Bible is sometimes known as a book of instructions. And uh, although that our relationship with God isn't based on instructions, the Bible has instructions inside of it. So some of those instructions are quite obvious. Do not murder, do not lie, do not uh, bear false witness. And sometimes we think God just makes up all these bunch of rules and instructions so that we can have no fun. But that's not the purpose of these instructions. As the instructions of the stop sign, they're to protect us and to keep us in the right place. There's one instruction in Colossians chapter 3 that I want to just read to you, and I want to remind you that this is very important to follow. Colossians chapter 3, verse 12 to 13 says, Therefore, as God's chosen people, holy and dearly loved, clothe yourself with compassion, kindness, humility, gentleness, and patience. Bear with each other, forgive one another, if any of you has a grievance with one another. Forgive as the Lord forgave you. What a wonderful instruction for us to love each other, to be there for each other, to forgive each other. Um, that's sort of the instructions that God gives to you, to be there, to love God, and to love our neighbors. There's one final verse I want to leave with you, but I haven't put, it on just, I haven't put the words up just yet because we memorized this a while ago. <laughs> and I want to see if anyone in the church, doesn't matter which version you use, can tell me what Psalm 119 verse 105 says. Yes, Andrew. The word is a lamp to my feet and a light to my path. Wonderful. The word is a lamp to my feet and a light to my path. And so if we want to receive God's instructions, we want God to guide us, we need to take time to read his instruction manual, the Bible. Thank you very much. Thanks. Right, so we know now where these instructions come from, and we know they are to be followed because God is sitting in the highest place. There are no other leaders. It doesn't matter what all these other leaders and other people tell us. It's God who's sitting in the highest place. So please stand with me and uh, sing, God sits in the highest place. Oh, 
Well, good morning, everyone. Uh, my Thank you. My name's Bart. Uh, I'm minister here at Emmanuel Church. Great to welcome you. Uh, if you're new, if you're visiting, it's particularly good to welcome you among us. Please stick around after us. There'll be tea and coffee served, an opportunity to chat, get to know one another. Welcome if you're watching online as well. It's great to have you with us. A uh, few things for church family news. Uh, first is this evening is the next of the Focus On uh, sessions. We're doing these with Christchurch, over at Christchurch uh, this evening, seven till half eight. Focus on healing. What does the Bible have to say about that? Uh, and it would be good if you were able to get along to that, uh, find out more uh, and join together with Christchurch in that. Next, uh, the pop-up library, we've mentioned this a few times, uh, a couple of Sundays we've mentioned it. Uh, if you want to borrow a book from the bookcase out of the doors here to the left, feel free to do so, just write down uh, what book you're borrowing uh, and take it away and bring it back when you're done with it. Um, got a couple of funerals coming up. Thelma Steer's funeral will be uh, a week tomorrow. Uh, so on the 4th of July, but also to let you know that uh, John Whelan's funeral, sad news this last week of the passing of John Whelan, and I want to encourage you to pray for, uh, for Christine uh, and for the family, for Andy as well, and, and for the whole of the family uh, as they grieve. Uh, but to let you know, that funeral is on Thursday the 28th of July, 12.20 at Kingston Crematorium. You'd be welcome to be there if you'd like to couple of other things. One is uh, if you're interested in being baptised or confirmed, maybe you've come to a point where you're thinking, yeah, I want to make a public declaration of my trust in Jesus. Uh, please have a word with me or have a word with Chris. If you were uh, baptised as a baby, uh, uh, which is a great thing, then uh, confirmation would be the thing for you. Uh, if you weren't baptised, that's fine. If you want to be baptised, uh, then that, that would be a good thing. Uh, to do to make that public declaration so have a chat with Chris or myself if you're interested in that last thing uh, we've been involved in passion for life this year a lot of it was focused around Easter time that was reaching out doing things sort of jointly with other local churches um, but really so far it's been sort of each church doing their bit on their own the thing that we're going to be doing which is a big joint thing together reaching out with the gospel is uh, the mark drama which is going to be happening in November the productions are going to be happening in November but of course there's lots to do to get ready for that because we all need to be involved in it um, all the different churches and so we've got a video uh, to show you uh, to start getting us interested and excited about it.
can I encourage you to start thinking about it, start praying about it, start praying about who you might be able to invite along to it um, to see the Gospel of Mark performed, but also think about how you could be involved. We need actors, we need other people involved, people behind the scenes, front of house. We We need a whole load of people to be involved. Please could you start praying about it, having a think about it, how you might be able to be involved, and we'll let you know in due course when um, the information session is going to be. That's going to be in the first week of September, but we wanted to start flagging it up with you now, and we'll let you know when the information session is so you can put that in your diary as well. It's an exciting thing. I'm really looking forward to it. Great doing it with the other churches as well. Um, So please be thinking about it. Please be praying about it. Thank you. I'm going to hand back to Therese. Oops. We're going to divide now into our different groups for teaching time. So um, Jan, which is Jesus and me, which is from uh, age three to school year six, will be going out and into the hall. There will also be a creche at the back of the hall on the carpeted bit for any parents that want to leave teeny tiny ones, somebody there to look after them. Pathfinders, so that's um, year seven, school year seven to nine, uh, will be meeting behind me in the room around back there. Um, so let, but before we all separate, and um, anyone older than that will be staying in here, and Bart will be preaching later. So please, though, we'll all pray together before everyone moves. So let's pray. Dear Lord Jesus, as we divide into our different groups, we ask for your Holy Spirit to open our ears to listen to your word being taught, to open our hearts to receive those things you would have us learn, and direct our wills to put into action the things you would want us to do. We ask for your guidance and blessing on the children and young people's leaders, and Bart too, as they explain your word to us. In your name we ask these things. Amen. Well, young people, would you like to move? Now we've been singing about God's grace and God's power and Jesus' power. Oops. (laughs) I thought we were suddenly going to explode. Um, However, if we want to know that grace and be assured of that grace and love that grace, we have to confess that we have not lived perfect lives. We have not lived how Jesus wants us to during this week. So we're going to say a confession now, which will come up on the screen. Let's say together. Lord Jesus, we have been singing of your kingship, but we know that often denied in ways we live our our lives. We are sorry that we sin against you in thought and word and deed, and not love our neighbor as ourselves. Forgive us, Lord, we pray. And we ask you to send us Holy Spirit, that we may walk in your ways and serve you as you have served us, even as you did by dying on the cross. Amen. There are some lovely words in Psalm 103 which speaks of the joy we have through confessing our sins and knowing God's forgiveness. 
These are the words. The, the Lord is compassionate and gracious, <coughs> slow to anger, abounding in love. He does not always accuse us, nor will he harbour his anger forever. He does not treat us as our sins deserve, or repay us according to our iniquities. For as high as the heavens are above the earth, so great is his love for those who fear him. As far as the east is from the west, so far has he removed our transgressions for us, from us. For this assurance for your forgiveness through the sacrifice of our Lord Jesus and his risen resurrection, we are truly grateful. Amen. And now Sue is going to come and lead our prayers. <coughs> I hope. Oh, she's there. <laughs> Let us pray. Heavenly Father, we give you much thanks and praise that in the Lord Jesus we are forgiven our sins and we thank you for the freedom we have to both practice and speak about our faith here in the UK. Lord, we pray for the crisis that's currently happening in East Africa, where four successive seasons of failed rains have left more than 18 million people desperately short of food. Local conflict combined with, even, with increasing food prices caused by the invasion of Ukraine is making the situation even worse. Lives are at risk and children are especially vulnerable. Local conflicts have forced millions of people from their homes and flash floods have been washing away what little is left. And we pray too for all that's still happening in Ukraine. We pray, Lord, that you will uh, turn around um, the president of Russia's heart and mind, Lord, uh, that he will stop all of the conflict uh, that his army is creating. Heavenly Father, please keep safe those people who have gone as missionaries to live in those countries in order to spread the good news, that you will use them mightily, Lord, in practical ways. And in the UK, Lord, we ask thanks for the celebrations that happened for the Queen's 70th year of her reign. And we pray for, for her as she deals with ill health and has to manage her family who struggle with exactly the same sort of problems that many of her subjects do too. And we pray and give thanks for Emmanuel. Lord, we give you immense thanks for the many volunteers we have at Emmanuel who work tirelessly in all that they do to extend the gospel to both children and adults who don't yet know the Lord Jesus. And we give you thanks, Lord, for the prayer line facility that keeps us informed and in prayer for those who need it. We pray that the church leadership team will be given wisdom to lead and guide us. We pray for the many Christian summer camps taking place over the next couple of months, Lord, that many children, it'll be a wonderful time for them as uh, they uh, learn about Jesus 
uh, and turn to him in thanks and praise. And Lord, as we see in our notice sheet, uh, we pray, Lord, for the uh, Whelan and Steer families who have lost much-loved members, John and Thelma. And finally, Lord, a prayer penned by John Stott. Heavenly Father, we pray that this day we may live in your presence and please you more and more. Lord Jesus, I pray that this day I may take up my cross and follow you. Holy Spirit, I pray that this day, sorry, we pray that this day you will fill us with yourself and cause your fruit to ripen in my life. Love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, goodness, faithfulness, gentleness, and self-control. And we pray for all these things in and through the precious and saving name of the Lord Jesus. Amen. So now let us say the Lord's Prayer. Our Father in heaven, hallowed be your name. Your kingdom come, your will be done on earth as in heaven. Give us today our daily bread. Forgive us our sins as we forgive those who sin against us. Lead us not into temptation, but deliver us from evil. For the kingdom, the power, and the glory are yours, now and forever. Amen. Thank you, Sue. We're going to sing again. Again, we're going to sing about God's grace and what it means for us and how we should approach it and enjoy it. So let's please stand, if you can, and we'll sing this together.
second book of Timothy, chapter 2, up to verse 13, and it can be found on page 1195 of the Church Bibles. You then, my son, be strong in the grace that is in Christ Jesus, and the things you have heard me say in the presence of many witnesses entrust to reliable people who will also be qualified to teach others. Join with me in suffering like a good soldier of Jesus Christ. No one serving as a soldier gets entangled in civilian affairs, but rather tries to please his commanding officer. Similarly, anyone who completes, competes as an athlete does not receive the victor's crown except by competing according to the rules. The hard-working farmer should be the first to receive a share of the crops. Reflect on what I'm saying, for the Lord will give you insight into all this. Remember Jesus Christ, raised from the dead, descended from David. This is my gospel for which I am suffering even to the point of being chained like a criminal. But God's word is not chained. Therefore, I endure everything for the sake of the elect, that they too 
may obtain the salvation that is in Christ Jesus with eternal glory. Here is a trustworthy saying, if we died with him, we also live with him. If we endure, we will also reign with him. If we disown him, he will disown us. If we are faithless, he remains faithful, for he cannot disown himself. This is the word of the Lord. Please keep the passage open in front of you, uh, so page 1195, uh, and let's pray together, asking the Lord to help us as we look at his word. Father, we praise you for your spirit who is among us, who is in us, in all who trust in Christ. We praise you for your spirit who breathed out this word that we will be looking at, and pray please that as we read it as we understand it so your spirit would open up our eyes to give us greater understanding and would move our hearts to be obedient to your word amen well it's very important isn't it that we are clear what we are to be about as a church because there are many competing ideas as to what a church should be and what ministers should be doing during a visit to NASA, to the NASA Space Center in 1962, the American president, John F. Kennedy, noticed a janitor carrying a broom and said, Hi, I'm Jack Kennedy. What are you doing? Well, Mr. President, the janitor responded, I'm helping put a man on the moon. It was so clear for everyone at NASA what their goal was that even the janitor could say, I know what it is, but more than that, could say, I'm a part of that, of getting a man on the moon. Well, it's important for us to be clear about ministry. Are we clear what we are about as a church? We've seen in the letter of Timothy to Timothy, this is a letter which is written from Paul, who is in prison in Rome, to a church leader. And it seems like that church leader, Timothy, is maybe tempted to pull back from the sort of front line of ministry, pull back from the costly service of ministry, maybe not by giving up the job, but maybe just by pulling back in other ways, not preaching, not proclaiming the gospel as he should. And in this letter, Paul is urging Timothy to get back on with ministry, to keep going even when it's tough. Paul has reminded Timothy about those from whom he learnt the gospel. And you remember a couple of weeks ago, I encourage you to think about who passed the gospel on to you. And Paul is saying to Timothy, now it's your turn. You pass it on to others. It is the great relay race. Pass on the baton of the gospel. Keep passing it on. And Timothy, it's come to you. Now you pass it on. Don't drop it. 
And we saw last week Paul saying to Timothy, this is going to involve suffering. He says, join me in suffering for the gospel. If you preach and teach the gospel, if you teach it, if you guard it, suffering will come. And Paul's saying, don't be ashamed of the gospel, don't be ashamed of him either, but keep going. And today we see more of Paul's instruction to Timothy to say, this is what you're to do and this is how you're to do it. Now you might well think, well surely this is just relevant for you, Bart, you're preaching to yourself, the rest of us can nod off. But actually, before you do, this is important for all of us, isn't it? If it was important that the janitor at NASA knew what the goal was, Actually, it's all the more important that we all know what we're about as a church. But also, you'll know then what to expect of church leaders, of a minister. So you might think, well, maybe my job is just to, I don't know, appear at school fates or that kind of thing. Is that the job? Well, no, it's not. We'll see what it is in a moment. But lastly, also, because I hope it will inform your prayers for me, for us as a church, maybe if you're visiting for for the church that you're a part of, that you will know what to pray for the ministry and for the leaders of that church. So, with that in mind, what is Paul's instruction to Timothy? Well, we're going to have four points this morning. Uh, There you go, they're all up on the screen. I think you've got them all on the back of your notice sheet. Yes, you do. So, you can follow it through there. Do make notes if you want to as well, but you can follow through where we're up to. So, there you go. It's the power for ministry, the task of ministry, the manner of ministry, and the focus of ministry. So, first of all, the power for ministry. And uh, I want you to see that this is no mere introduction. It's not just an introductory statement that Paul says at the beginning of chapter 2. Not that the chapters were there in the original. He didn't write chapter 2. Someone else has put that in. But it helps us, doesn't it, to portion out the scriptures so that we uh, can refer to it, can break it up. But as we get to the beginning of chapter 2, this isn't just a, a sort of introductory sentence where Paul says about the power of ministry. The more I've thought about this, the more I've thought this is absolutely essential for ministry. What's the fuel for ministry? After all, if you get the fuel wrong, get the fuel wrong in your car, you are in big trouble. If we get the fuel wrong for ministry, if I get the fuel wrong for my ministry, I and we are in big trouble. So what is it? Verse 1 of chapter 2. You then, my son, be strong in the grace that is in Christ Jesus. Now notice that Paul is not just saying, Timothy, be strong. Uh, That would be like me just saying to you, be hot or be cold. You can't just make it happen, can you? If all Paul did was to say to Timothy, now come on, be strong, you might think, well, maybe it's a sort of stiff upper lip, keep going, come on, Timothy, get to it. Well, there may be some of that in there, but it's not really the heart of it, is he? He's saying, no, he tells him how to be strong. He says, be strong in the grace that is in Christ Jesus. And that is very important. It is the grace that is in Christ Jesus that is to be his strength, is to be my strength, and actually is to be all of our strength as we go on in the Christian life. Let me explain how. 
You see, what was it that it would look like for Timothy to be strong? Timothy is facing opposition in this church. There's arguing. There are people who are opposing him. There's the potential, it may be there, it may be about to come. Well, we know there's some false teaching. There are some who maybe will try and ruin others in the church family, drawing them away from Jesus. What's it going to look like for Timothy to be strong? It will be that he perseveres, that he keeps going, preaching the gospel, even when he doesn't feel like it, even when people are opposing him, even when he feels wretched, that he will keep going. That is the strength. That is what it will look like. Now, if that is the strength, that's what it's going to look like, what might he find strength in to keep going? Well, there could be all kinds of other things that, could, that he could look to to keep him strong. One might be the approval of other people. And plenty of ministers will look to that. And that is a temptation that I face, to think that actually the, the thing that will strengthen me is if, if I've got other people's approval. That if I've got other people saying, no, no, you keep going. That, that's all right. We like what you're doing. That's a dangerous place to be. Because what if there are those who oppose? Do you give up? It's a fragile place to be. Because we'll be in despair if people don't give that approval. And any criticism can hit home far too hard. You may know this in your life as well. If you're always needing other people's approval, whenever you receive any kind of criticism, maybe from a family member, maybe from a parent, maybe from friends, maybe from others, if you receive any kind of criticism, it cuts really hard, cuts to the root, cuts to your heart. Actually, we mustn't seek strength from the approval of others. Or we might think, well, you gain strength from being right. Ministers sometimes seem like that is the thing that gives them strength. From having the truth, knowing that they're right and others are wrong. But that's unstable as well and can produce harsh ministers, can't it? Who view any challenge to what they say as being, well, an enemy. And who are quite insecure because, well, actually, sometimes we are wrong. Now, being right shouldn't be the strength, should it? Or it might be that some will look to... Well, now, this is a a tricky one. Sometimes ministers might look to the idea that we have God's approval because we're serving him. Not just ministers, but others can do this. We can think our strength is, well, I'm serving God, and I'm doing what he wants, therefore, uh, that is my strength. It sounds right, but actually it is dangerous. Because if a minister gains strength from thinking they have God's approval because of their ministry, there will always be instability because they will always think, you know what, I, I could be doing ministry better. I could always be doing it better and I could always do more of it. Maybe I've not done enough. Maybe I've not done it the right way. And there will be a ministry from a place of always doubting whether we actually have God's approval. And like I say, that's not just ministers, that's all of us. We can think, if my strength comes from serving God and and thinking that I'm doing what he wants, then, then actually that can be insecure as well. Or a minister might think, well, I gain strength from success. 
from having lots of people at services, from evangelistic events where lots of non-Christians come along and lots of non-Christians become Christians. Yeah, we can get it wrong in that way, thinking that that is our strength. Now, in a lot of those areas, they're not bad things. It's not bad to have people approving of what you're doing or of people coming to faith. It's a great thing. But that must not be our strength. Paul is saying, be strong in the grace that is in Christ Jesus, which he summarizes, actually, he's already summarized it in chapter 1, verse 9. Just cast your eyes back to that. He says, he, God, has saved us and called us to a holy life, not because of anything we have done, but because of his own purpose and grace. Not because of anything we have done, but because of his own purpose and grace. That is, Timothy, God's grace to you is that you've been saved purely by what Jesus did for you on the cross. And any Christian here today, that is what makes you right with God. Not you, not the approval of others, not your service of God, but of what Jesus did for you on the cross. Grace says we don't deserve God's approval, but through Jesus' death, through faith in him, we have it. He takes our sin, we receive his righteousness. That God looks at you as one who is approved, accepted, loved, not because of you, but because of what he has done. And that is where we must draw strength. Not just me, but all of us. All other means of being strong are unstable and can lead to bullying and uncaring leaders. And the more I've thought about it over this last week and recent months, the more I see this is essential for me and for all ministers and for all Christians. Here's the big thing to pray. If nothing else you take from this, please would you pray for me, for us as a church family, that our strength would be in what Christ has done for us, his grace. Please pray that. Because that is a stable ministry. Whether people are cheering or people are jeering, whether people are flooding in or flooding out, a minister whose strength is in the grace that is in Christ Jesus will still minister with conviction, with love, with patience, with compassion, even when faced with opposition. So please would you pray that. That's the first thing, the power of minis for ministry. The next three are going to be briefer. Mind you, I've just noticed on the... Oh, no, the clock is right. Oh, there we go. Huh. Um, anyway. <laughs> next, the task of ministry. Verse 2. We're only on verse 2. There we go. And the things you've heard me say in the presence of many witnesses entrust to reliable people who will also be qualified to teach others. 
So here is the task of ministry. It is the passing on of the baton. You can see it there very clearly, can't you? Actually, did you notice how many passings on of the baton there are? It's a four by 100 meter relay race. You've got four people involved in uh, that passing on or four generations of it being passed on. Did you notice that in verse two? The things you've heard from me, that's Paul, number one. Uh, The things you've heard me say in the presence of many witnesses. You, Timothy, it's been passed on to you. You are to entrust them to reliable people who will also be qualified to teach others. Do you see? Four generations there, from Paul to Timothy, Timothy to, in, to reliable people, and those reliable people who will be able to pass it on to others. There's the relay race. That's what we're to be involved in. So, Timothy, what kind of people are you to look for, for you to pass the baton on to? Well, they must be those who are able to teach. That is, those people who you know will be able themselves to pass it on. There'll be good relay races. There'll be people with a good grip uh, who'll be able then also to let go, pass it on to the next person in the race. They've got to be good at teaching the gospel too. They'll be able to pass it on. And they'll be reliable, faithful people. The kind who themselves will stick to the pattern of sound teaching that Paul taught, as we heard last week. So what does this say about what a minister should be doing? Well, he should be passing on the gospel. In public ministry, and we get on to that in chapter 4, where Paul says to Timothy to preach the word. Wonderful words in chapter 4, but we'll get there. He says publicly, preach the gospel. But also here, this is a bit more individual, this is a bit more personal, private, sort of pass it on. Find people who you can pass the gospel on to who will then be able to pass it on themselves. What's that going to mean practically? It does mean for a minister there is going to be significant amount of time in the study. Because in order to pass the gospel on, a minister needs to understand it themselves. So we need to be studying no, it's not the only thing we should do. It's not that we just, in our studies, and then someone says, time to preach. Okay, I'll come out, preach, pop back in the study. It's not the only thing that we do. But it is a significant chunk of what we're to be doing. So we're to be passing it on publicly and personally, spending time with people to teach them the gospel. And actually, I think it's important, for instance, that that our wardens, Robin and John, but others as well, are asking me, are you spending time in your study? Are you studying? Preparing for sermons, but not just preparing for sermons. After all, and I think it's helpful for you to know, preparing sermons is hard work. I I did hear once of a curate who... uh, thought about what he was going to say as he walked up to preach. That is not good. I'm glad there are some who are sort of wincing at that idea. Uh, That's good that you're wincing. That would be awful. It takes hard work. I I think it does vary from sermon to sermon. I reckon it takes 12 to 15 hours to prepare a sermon. Uh, It depends. Some books, it takes longer. Um, So when we were studying Revelation... That took longer. It's just harder work. There's just more to be done. 
Uh, I mean, I needed three months for that to prepare for it, a three-month sabbatical. So, you know, that, that took a long time. And then still needed 12 to 15 hours per sermon going, oh, what do I do with all that study I've done? You know, how do you work it through? It is hard work doing it. And actually, you do need sometimes the encouragement to say, now keep going at it. For wardens to say, you are doing, you know, you're doing it, aren't you? Keep at it. So that's the task of ministry. It's passing on the gospel, putting in the time and effort. And that is hard work, which is where we come to the next uh, point, which is the manner of ministry. And Paul uses three illustrations to, uh, for Timothy so that he can understand how he is to go about doing this work. Three illustrations. We, go, we don't have time to go into them in great detail, but they're three images. And I think you get the kind of overall drift by just seeing the three things that he mentions. The first is there in verse 3, the, the illustration of the soldier. So he says, join with me in suffering like a good soldier of Christ Jesus. Now, you don't need to guess what the imagery is getting at there. Do you have a soldier? You might kind of come up with all kinds of things. In what ways are we to be like soldiers? You know, like a mum saying to the child, be a brave soldier now. Uh, well, maybe it's not that. Maybe it is, though. Paul is saying, join with me in suffering like a good soldier. Now, a soldier does expect to suffer, doesn't it? I mean, you... If you join the army, you're expecting to suffer, that it's not going to be easy. I mean, you're expecting that people are going to fire weapons at you if you become a soldier. Those soldiers in Ukraine, they join up, they know they're going to be fired at. Paul is saying to Timothy, endure suffering as a good soldier. But more than that, not just endure suffering, but also where his eyes are to be. Verse 4, no one serving as a soldier gets entangled in civilian affairs, but rather tries to please his commanding officer. Please your commanding officer. That is, don't get involved in the things you shouldn't. Keep your eyes on Jesus. He's your commanding officer. Live to please him, knowing you already have his approval, his grace. But therefore, don't get involved in things you shouldn't. And I'm so thankful that there are plenty of people at Emmanuel who are aware of this need, who are willing to take on tasks so that I don't have to, so that I can focus on the, the task of studying and Bible teaching. So I'm very thankful uh, to people like, uh, well, Jen does a fantastic job in staff meeting. We'll say, that's my job, that's not your job, but you, you know, give that over to me. Cara, heading up the fabric group. John and Robin, wardens. Andy Whelan, treasurer. Uh, because, it's important, because these jobs are important. It's not that they're unimportant, they're important. But if I do them, then I can't be devoting my time to studying and preaching and teaching. And I'm so thankful, because there are plenty of churches where the vicar has to be doing things to do with the fabric, to do with the building, or has to be the treasurer, uh, all those kind of things. And I'm so thankful that there are people who are, who are saying, no, Bart, be a good soldier. Get on with the task. So soldier, second athlete, must compete according to the rules. That's, uh, uh, that's there in verse 5. Similarly, anyone who competes as an athlete does not receive the victor's crown except by competing according to the rules. Timothy, you must obey the rules. 
Uh, I gather in the, I've forgotten this, but then I remembered, in the Tokyo 2020 Olympic Games, sprinters, do you remember how many false starts they were allowed there? Do you remember how many false starts? None. And I I thought, man, you do four years of training, split second too fast that you leave the blocks, that's it. You're done. You're going home. All that training. You've got to stick to the rules. Now, Paul may well have had other things in mind there, actually not about false starts. Uh, Gather in the ancient Olympics, athletes who wanted to compete would stand in front of a statue of Zeus and swear that they would go into strict training for 10 months. That was what they swore to do. And they had to go about doing it. They had to stick to it. Go into hard training. And Paul's saying to Timothy, you've got to keep going at it. You've got to go into training. You've got to stick to the rules. You've got to do the task that's been given to you by Jesus. And lastly, the farmer. And the emphasis is on the hard work there. And if you know any farmers, you know that they do work incredibly hard. We stayed on a dairy farm once and appreciated that cows need milking twice a day. And those that don't have the automated systems, that means them getting up in the middle of the night to go and, feed, uh, go and milk their, their cows. Not just every now and then, every night. You can't fail. It is hard work being a farmer, whether it's cows, whether it's other, uh, other kind of farming. Now, you see the overall picture, don't you, from those three pictures. Soldier, athlete, farmer. What's the overall picture? It's hard work, isn't it? They are involved in endurance, in struggle, in toil, in suffering. He didn't pick sunbather, sleeper, and TV watcher. He says, no, you're to be a soldier, an athlete, and a hardworking farmer. And especially in the context of opposition. See, there can be an unhealthy assumption that there's a kind of magic key to ministry. You find it, and ministry is easy. People are converted. Church leaders don't have to do very much. It just sort of happens. Or that understanding Bible passages, it just sort of, just sort of happens. It's just cursory glance, done, sermon ready. It's not the way it is. It's, got to be hard. it's going to be hard work, Timothy. And lastly, the focus of ministry. The last section is verses uh, 8 to 13. And what ties this together? I think it's a pattern that you see through those verses, which is of present suffering and future glory. So we've seen plenty about the sort of present suffering, but I think Paul is saying, keep your eyes on the future. It's future glory that you're looking forward to, as it is for all Christians. But that is what will motivate you and keep you going. So we see it with Jesus. Verse 8, remember Jesus Christ raised from the dead, descended from David. This is my gospel. So Jesus died, there's the suffering, but raised from the dead to glory and for the glory of others. So too in Paul's ministry, verse 9, for which uh, this is the gospel, my gospel for which I'm suffering, even to the point of being chained like a criminal. There's the present suffering, saying I'm being chained, I'm in prison. That is my present suffering. Although wonderfully, he says, and it's a great truth, isn't it? But God's word is not chained. Even though Paul is, the, the word is not. 
And what is the future glory? Well, interestingly, he doesn't focus on his own future glory, although he will later on in the letter. He'll talk about the crown of righteousness he will receive. But here, verse 10, he talks about others' glory. He says, Therefore I endure everything for the sake of the elect, that they too may obtain the salvation uh, that is in Christ Jesus with eternal glory. His present suffering, their future glory. And it's that present suffering, future glory, that goes on in those verses, verse 11 to 13 over the page, where you get a bit which looks a bit more poetic there. I think it's that same pattern. So you get that verse 11. If we died with him, we will also live with him. If we endure present suffering, we will also reign with him, future glory. And then it changes, it flips around. There's a more of a warning then, isn't there? If we disown him, he will also disown us. There's a warning there. And then the last verse, well, is it a warning or an encouragement? I'm not totally sure. I think it's still a warning, though. If we are faithless, he will remain faithful, for he cannot disown himself. I think that's still a warning that if we're faithless, that judgment will come. But um, you could go either way. The reason why I think it's that is because I think it fits with the pattern. You've had two positives and then, I think, two negatives. So verse... 11 and the first half of verse 12 are positive and then it goes negative so I think it fits with that pattern but it could go the other way so present suffering future glory is the pattern so the focus of our ministry as well must be future enduring struggles and hard work now with future glory both for ourselves and for those who hear and believe through our ministry And we must keep that future glory before our eyes. Otherwise, we'll think that there could be nothing more gloomy than being a minister of the gospel. After all, if it's just being a soldier, an athlete, and a farmer, you might think, well, why do we do it? Well, it is with that future glory in mind. Because sometimes ministry can feel fruitless. I heard of a missionary to the Kuya people in the rainforest of the Ivory Coast. Oh, yeah, the mission to the Kuya people. In 1958, the first missionaries went there and the Kuya people chased them away. 1958, except one Kuya who became a Christian. One. The second Kuya to become a Christian became a Christian in 1981. So that's from 1958 to 81, there was one Kuya Christian. And he went about on his bike from village to village preaching the gospel day by day is what he would do imagine that perseverance keeping going how will you keep going even when it feels fruitless well it is by having your eye on that future glory isn't it keep that in focus well i hope this has helped you to understand that we would uh, along with that janitor at nasa know our mission What are we to do? Well, we've seen it is about the power for ministry from God's grace in Christ Jesus. The task of ministry, passing on the gospel. The manner of ministry, like the soldier, the athlete and the farmer. And the focus of ministry on future glory. Let us pray together. Heavenly Father, we pray that you would strengthen us in this ministry by your grace for all of us to be strengthened by the grace that is in Christ Jesus and help us to keep going in gospel ministry, even when it's hard. Amen.
Well, the music group uh, going to come up. We're going to share communion uh, after this song, and therefore this song uh, prepares us for that. We talked about present suffering, future glory, and that that was Jesus's pattern. And that is what we see in this song, See Him in Jerusalem. When the music group start, please would you stand to sing this song. Streets are song to him now. 
please have a seat. We're now going to take communion together for those who are in the building, and therefore we're going to say goodbye to those uh, who've been watching online. Great that you've been able to join us online. We'd love you to join us in the building if you're able to. Uh, if not, then online again next week.